Okay, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you. Just to say I've loved being here. Desna, we just enjoyed being here, enjoyed meeting with so many of you and such a lovely uh, bunch of people, so friendly, so warm. You'll have received us so well. And uh, we just want to say thank you for having us. Thanks, Colin Navaz, as well. But we really enjoyed this time and uh, loved getting to know some of the stories of your lives, some of the things you're involved in. You really loved you all, and yesterday was fun. I mean, it was real fun. Of course, I don't regret not coming to pluck strawberries at 2.30 in the afternoon, but, <laughs> but we've had a fabulous time, so thank you very much, okay? So we'll come to God's Word quickly, and, and again pray. Father, we again submit ourselves before your Word and ask uh, just that you, by your Spirit, Lord, we are so limited in communicating, but Lord, through one example, one picture, one sentence, one little word, Holy Spirit, you have amazing ways of suddenly opening our eyes and, and showing us who we are. And I pray that this morning as well, we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. We ask you for your anointing. We ask you for grace. I ask you for help to share this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before I carry on, we saw, we saw sing. You know, one of the things we've got to be people, and I like what Des brought this morning, worship. You know, we are singing. No matter what we face, worship God. Sing. Sing. No matter what situation, because God's committed to us. He says something's written over you, and that's fruitfulness. Because I'm your husband, your maker, I'm connected with you. So even if I'm taking you through a dam of discipline, it's with great love. And I'm going to make you fruitful anyway. So sing. Yes. And then next we saw enlarge. So all the time we've got to be a people. We are, we are a people of en enlargement. That's our DNA. Whether it's church, whether it's individuals. And so we've got to be thinking those things and praying those things. Enlarge. Yes. And then we saw it's not just numerical, but there's a quality about it. And we've got to... Uh, uh, see that and they, when we look at the New Testament church, we saw the quality, the first thing, they were devoted and uh, it's in the heart. Christianity is not just about the outward things we do, it starts right in the heart and again, there's brought out so beautifully from the life of Job. I just told her, I said, you preached this in our church, but this morning I felt impacted even more this morning and I felt it's such a significant word. Uh, you know, because these are words that today leaders want to make everyone so comfortable. We try and shy away from these words. But these words are vital and important. And, uh, but let's be uh, enlarged, devoted in the heart. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. And God sees uh, his church. This is church membership. People that are devoted. They love God. They're not people who say, oh, no, I've got to do it. Oh, no, I'm motivated by guilt. Oh, no, I'm feeling ashamed. I better do it. No, he's looking for people who love him. And I say, here am I, Lord. Send me. I'm available. Okay, so that's the spirit of the early church. That's the people that the apostles were teaching about. People who are motivated with a love and a faith in God, not anything else. All right, I'm, so I'm going to come and open this word devoted because they were devoted to few other things. And I want to now open that up. But before that, I want to go to the last verses. Okay, uh, enlarge, stretch your ten curtains wide, Isaiah 54. And then it says, lengthen your cords. Okay, so I'm going to just briefly touch upon this and then I'm coming back to the word devoted. Lengthen your cords. 
Now, uh, when we try and look in the New Testament, we're talking about the temple is stretching. He says, no, stretch your ten curtains. You know, church is always about growing beyond. And so the cords have to be lengthened. It's not to be within the same boundaries. And we see the very first church that starts from Jerusalem after is the Antioch church. And the Antioch church, incredibly, you know, it's started by ordinary Christians. It's not started by the big apostles. It's not started by the big leaders. And this is a story of who God's people are. Ordinary Christians of the Jerusalem church, because of the persecution, they were scattered. All right? And people from Cyprus and Cyrene, it says they went into Antioch and they preached the word of God. So here you find a people that are persecuted, but they are not preoccupied with persecution. They are preoccupied with preaching the gospel. And so the, their cords are being lengthened. Yes or no? All right. But what I want us to pick up is beyond the leaders, beyond the guys who wrote the New Testament, God has huge faith for non-leaders too. Yes or no? He has huge faith for you. He has huge faith for every Christian, every person who believes in the church. You know, and that's who you are. And I feel as we enter this year, 2024, you know, what's your vision for yourself? You know, can you do an Antioch? Can you plant an Antioch church, start it? Let me ask you a question because I want to hear your faith this morning. Can you do it? No, only Colin and Navas can do it. Only they are permitted to do it. But God didn't care. He used the ordinary Christians. Now I'm asking you again, can you do it? Yes. Please, don't, don't say yes, I'm not so sure. Can you do it? I'm a little more bold than that. Can you do it? Yes. Yeah, this is a little better, but still not the best. Can you do it? Yes. Okay. Now, but listen, if you're going to lengthen our cords, if the church is going to stretch, we need these cords. Are you a cord? Those early Christians, some of them were this cord that stretched and they started it. Now, they, could, they didn't lead it because later on, Barnabas comes. A leader is sent in. You do need leaders. But Christians were lengthening the cords. Amen. So I'd like every church really to have this understanding that God will use you. We don't have to wait for the leaders. They didn't need to take permission. Okay, hey, Barnabas, all you elders in Jerusalem church, can we go to Antioch? No, the Spirit of God says, come on, do it. Something comes in your heart. Do it. Yes or no? Yes. All right, so... But what I want us to really put, I wish I could give it to you. God, when you read a story like that, you see God's faith for you. You see what God thinks about you. All right? That I will use these people to change the world. Amen. So we have got a vision this year. We're saying five new house groups. So we're going for a leaders camp next week. I said to the house group leaders, we're going five new house groups. Who, who are the five new guys coming? You've not told me about the five new guys coming. You, who, the, who was your second man and your second woman? I need to see some of them at this leaders camp. Because if you're going for five new house groups, I need to see some guys there, new people who are going to lead these house groups. Yes or no? And whether you think they're ready or not, please call them. They'll get ready on the way. Yes or no? Amen. Come on. Amen. You know, some of us 
We may not even lead a house group, but can you start another meeting? We may not go to Antioch, but how about in Pune? Do you think you can start another, uh, in another building with another friend? You can start meeting two of y'all or three of y'all and maybe it will become a house group? Yes or no? Yes. Don't wait, Baba. Start it. Amen. Where two are gathered, God says, I'm there. Do you have faith you can gather with someone in your office also in the lunch break? Yes or no? Lengthen your cords. Lengthen your cords. Okay, I told people, does anyone in the church, do you think you can feed 500 people where the church can come and back up, back you up? Maybe there's poor people in the city and you've seen them around. You say, maybe I can do that. Please come and talk to us. But you can do it. Imagine feeding 1,000 people. If someone in the church has got something in their hearts for feeding 1,000 poor people every week, once at least. Say, come on, go for it. You can do it. You don't have to wait. Start it. Start feeding five people and say, hey, I need help. Yes or no? So I just want you to understand this word of enlarge is we don't wait. And while we are growing, I like what Des said, we are growing in maturity. We don't have to wait till we are fully mature. Just start doing it. Just start doing it because we've got to take the kingdom out there. Lengthen your courts. Okay? We've got this girl in, uh, in uh, our church, Harvest of Grace. And we've got a, an older couple who are late 50s who are come from a place in uh, Nanded, Nanded in, uh, you know, and they're there. And we said, can you start gathering people? And so for this last year, they were gathering seven, five, and now 15 people gather. And we had the leaders conference in advance, advance in uh, uh, August GCC, where all our leaders from all our churches came across. And this young girl came to me and said, Uncle, you know, I'm stirred about Nanded. And as she's, I'm stirred about going to Nanded and helping these people. And I said, my heart leapt with faith when she said that. I said, come on, I'm appointing you. You just make sure that these, these now Nanded is a place where there's 15 people meeting, but few of them are here. Few of them are 40 kilometers there. Another few of them are 30 kilometers here. But you can't just get in your car and drive there. You have to take four hours to get to one place. All right, so they'll walk two miles for half an hour. They'll wait for another 45 minutes for a bus. They'll take another one and a half hour going to that place. They walk another four miles together, up and down. Now, I said to this girl, what I need is if you're going to build a church at the end of the year, every Sunday this group has to gather, but they have to pay the price of going to one of the places. And she said, uncle, I'll do it. And she's doing it. And for the last three months, they have been meeting every Sunday because one girl who's following has faith for it and she's getting it done. Yes? So, lengthen your cords. Okay? Lengthen your cords. Men and women. You know, we're planting three churches this, this year. Three churches. But, uh, but I'm not doing it. I, I mean, I get a lot of credit for it. But these other people are doing it. You know, and just the faith. Now we've got to have, be stirred. I'd like you all to be stirred with faith. Lengthen your cords. Can you do that? Do you believe that? Every place you go, whatever you do in your office, look out. You're a kingdom man and woman. You're a kingdom man. And God's saying, I'm going to use you. Lengthen the cords. Can something start in your office spaces? I think so. Yes or no? Can we broaden our vision? All right, that will become part of Pune Church. Something in your offices as well. Hallelujah. 
Next one, strengthen your sticks. You know, when you, when you pull a tent and you lengthen the cords, there's a tightness to it. It's not simple. You're really pulling the cords. It's very tight. And so now, these guys are being stretched. Everyone on the tent is being stretched. But then you need sticks that are very strong to hold that tension. Yes or no? Okay, now I want to say to challenge some of you, not everyone. Some of you right here have got to be sticks. That means you're saying, come what may, please count on me. I believe God's called me to be a stick. That means I'm going to be in Pune. Yeah? And I will be here like a stick, never be moved. But if there's further tension, there's tension to be stretched, I'll do it. But I'll be a stick. And there are certain churches are built with sticks as well. Now, not everyone's a stick, but we need some sticks. Okay, I'm not talking about the steaks you eat, just in case your sort of mind wanders off to, you know. <laughs> okay, so can I challenge some of you to be steaks? You know, now the problem is this, you'll be offered a lot of job opportunities elsewhere. And here's where you've got to hear God. Like I shared your story about this, didn't go to America when she had the opportunity. For me, I had the opportunity to be in the Gulf, travel the world, own whatever houses. That was my dream. I had to say, no. Benny and Elaine, I'm sure. Tall and Navas. Okay, so listen, if you're going to build God's church, there are some who have to make some sacrifices. Church doesn't get built other way. Any other way. In fact, Jesus said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. How many of us really want to believe Jesus? You know, because lots of people will say, if you're not earning enough money, there's a problem with you. What nonsense. Please, you, then stop believing in Jesus because he didn't have a place to lay his head. Amen. How many of you want to be sticks? Don't put your hand up. You pray quietly and say, God, but I need sticks. And I challenged the church. I said, I need some sticks. If you're going to go there, I need people who can take the tension. All right? There's our people. Hallelujah. Okay, so that's just a challenge. Let me come back to this word devotion. Okay, we saw devotion. We already looked at the word devotion. But I want to look at now um, the things they devoted themselves to. You know, things where God wants us to be. I sense God wants us to be focused on. You know, things. I want to share things that I sense, you know. As we moved forward to and being enlarged in this vision, we, we learned from what the early church was devoted to, to take that vision. And the same words that describe the early church, we look at it, but there are some specific things that I sense within those words, uh, within each of those words, which I'd like to focus on this morning. So we saw they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, and to fellowship. So we're looking at, firstly, they've devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. Okay? And I want to share three things I sense from that. So while they devoted themselves, and they said very clearly, we must be people who read the scriptures. Uh, you know, I find in India, one man will come and say, suppose the sound system is, is giving problems. You know, I remember one guy coming in, the sound system was giving a lot of trouble and he was struggling. And he said, you know, these demons don't want me to preach the word. <laughs> hallelujah. Everyone said, hallelujah. And I'm thinking, oh no. You know, do we read the word? 
And then someone comes there and says the exact opposite and he says, hallelujah, everyone, hallelujah. And they've not stopped to think, hey, what am I saying hallelujah to? What am I saying, what am I saying amen to? And so Des is saying this morning, let us be readers of the scriptures. All right. Okay. Read your scriptures. Yes or no? Yes. Praise God. Okay. So... Three things I sense when they devoted themselves to the word. I want to pull out three things I feel if we're going to take vision from there. And the first one is inheritance. Okay, in the word, the word tells us we must know who we are. And the Bible tells us we are heirs. Heirs. Co-heirs with Christ. And God considers us as such. You are an heir. Okay, now an heir is someone like this. For those of you who know Alan Vincent, uh, many years ago he was a preacher. He came and spoke about his son. And his son came to him one night. And uh, he thought he was late in the night. And he was sitting and talking to Alan. And he was, you know, Alan was thinking, man, it's getting on in time. I'm so tired. But the son kept talking to him and talking to him. And uh, he said, okay, I better be with him since he wants to talk to me. But the moment the clock struck, 12, midnight, he got up and said, Dad, the khakis, please. I'm 18 years old now. <laughs> All right. And so I remember Alan talking about being an heir. You see, he understood his right to be an heir is we've got a right to possess something. And so if you're going to be devoted to the word of God, one of the things the word of God tells us is we are heirs. You know, not, oh, I'm, I should be ashamed now. I've just uh, had an argument with my wife. We shouldn't come in like that. We are heirs. All right. And God wants us to understand that. He considers us as heirs. He's given us things that we have a right to. And God wants the ordinary Christian and the church to do great things. Yeah. But if we understand we are heirs. And the funny part is this, though we are heirs, we behave like slaves. You know, why? The Bible says in Galatians 4, 1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. You know, he's saying the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ from a slave. You know, often Christians, instead of being heirs, we act like children. Like slaves, you know? What's the church giving me? You know? The music is not so nice in this church. Let me go and find another church. The snacks, there's no snacks in this. That They offer sandwiches, you know? And uh, very often we find children, we are calling the church, hey, we want to do this, we want to do that. Hey, can you come? I'm busy, man. I got work. I got my family. You know, and in Luke 14, 16, it tells us the same story when God's saying, come on, call the people. And they, and they come back and the servants say, no one's coming. One says, I've just got married. Another fellow brought an ox. I've, I've got a field. And you've got these excuses from Christians today as well. And what are we being? Little children, slaves who forgot we got to inherit something. Yes or no? Okay. Listen, we're not here to receive. We are here to give life to the world. Amen. We are possessors. We are heirs. And saying, I've got a right in my office to bring change. And I'm going to do it. 
Okay, I'm going through the worst situation like Job, but I got a right to bring life. Yes or no? That's who you are. That's who you are. Okay. And uh, Galatians 4, 7 says, Therefore you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are here to change the world. Everyone. If you are born, you imagine, you imagine that Samaritan woman, when Jesus came to her at the well, and he said, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right, you have five. You know, oh, she gets saved. She goes to a village and a town, comes back and they all get saved. That's an heir. She's just been forgiven. She's not thinking, oh no, I got five husbands, oh Lord. She's just become an heir. You see, the moment we believe in Christ, we are heirs. All right, the blind man who was healed, you know, the, 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 the Pharisees were questioning the parents. Does she believe in this man, Jesus? And they were being defensive. And the blind man, he's saying, what about you? You're saying this man is from God. Put pressure on him. He's saying, Baba, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind, now I see. Amen. We are heirs. We are given a spirit of being heirs. And we can bring transformation to the world. I like the story of Jacob. Because he goes and grabs Esau's inheritance. Do you like it? Do you like <laughs> He deceives, him and his mother deceives Esau to get the inheritance. Now it was going to come to him anyway. He did it the wrong way. But this is the, this is the lesson to learn. He valued the inheritance. It's not what he did wrong. He valued it. And he said, I've got to fight for this. And listen, church, you are an heir. I want you to get this in your spirit. They devoted the early church themselves to the word. Can you devote yourself to what the word says about you? You are an heir. Yes or no? And even if you've sinned yesterday, quickly get to God and say, I'm sorry, Lord. He doesn't look at you any other way. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. Amen. We're not there to live in. We're a new people. We're a phenomenal people. God thinks of that. But so often Christians are saying, oh, I don't feel I can come to God. What's wrong with you? He died for you. All right. He died for you, and if you sin 70 times seven, he's forgiving you. What more do you want? The spirit of an heir. Yes? Yes or no? Come on, say something. Speak it with your mouth. I believe that. Amen. Fight for your inheritance. And believe it or not, in the same Galatians chapter 4, verse 27, it is written, he says, now listen to this, what I said in Isaiah 54. It says in Galatians 4, 27, for it is written, be glad, barren woman. He's quoting Isaiah 54. Be glad, more. you who never bore a child, shout for joy, cry aloud. You who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. It's here in the New Testament, in Galatians. He's saying it's not about that time, it's about now. And then he says, now, you brothers, verse 28, brothers and sisters like Isaac, you are children of the promise. Amen. Come on, tell your neighbor, you're a children of the promise. Amen. So let's move on. Verse 29, it says something very important. If you are an heir, this is what you've got to be devoted to. Get rid of slave mentality. Get rid of slave mentality. The 
in your youth, in Isaiah 54, it talked about the 400 years of slavery. It talked about 70 years in Babylon. Get rid of that mentality. Okay? At that time, verse 29, Galatians 4 says, The son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. And then he says this. It is the same now. It's the same today. All right? What does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Amen. Amen. Listen, get rid of slave mentality, please. Okay, and this is how you do it. You make sure you got some prayer time with you. And pray this through, fight it through. But start realizing when you're in God's presence, I'm not a, I'm not a slave, I'm an heir. Yes or no? Yes. Can you say that? Yes. Amen. Okay, anything that makes you look behind, anything that stops you going for a vision, you know, Israel, a whole generation perished in the desert. Let's not be like them. It says they perished as examples for us today. All right? It's not enough to be saved. Okay? If you're in a position to say, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm, I'll tell you you're on dangerous ground. Yes, you'll go to heaven. But you need to possess something. You're an heir. We have to possess the promise. They were delivered from Egypt, but God was not pleased with them. He let the whole generation perish in the desert. They couldn't take the promised land. Till another whole generation came. Now let us not be like that. Why? They were, they were not willing to be heirs. They were not willing to say, hey, I'm an heir. I don't care if there are giants in the land. We'll take them. Only Caleb and Joshua said that. Yes? yes. Are you an heir? Yes. Can you do great things in your office? Yes? yes? yes. Can you change your office? Yes. Can you change your neighborhood? Yes. Say it. Yes. yes. Hey. Be devoted to it. Get rid of the slave mentality. You'll not be able to do anything if this remains in you. All right? And again, what Des brought, worship God. Sometimes there are times we have to come. I love songs. We sang some songs today. And I'm, 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 all my worship leaders have to send me the songs before they lead it on Sunday. Because I ask them, why do they choose that song? I want more songs that sing about God. Much more. That declare who God is. I said, I don't want one or two things about God. I have a lot of things about God there. Because the old hymns, they learn scripture through the hymns. And you know, when we sing about God, we worship Him. Suddenly, if problems become small. And we become aware of who we are. This God, oh, I get His spirit when we worship Him. Amen. So, we can't do anything with slave mentality. So, be devoted to uh, being an heir. Secondly, we see heirs get promises. The word of God tells us every promise is yes in Christ. But we must say amen. But if we are, if we are slaves, we can never say amen. We can say, someone leader will say, say amen. Amen. But we've got to say in our quiet times of God, like they said, amen, Lord. I believe you. Doesn't matter that I'm struggling sometimes. When I see my son, but you give me a promise, amen. What you're saying, if you're saying the amen quietly before God in your prayer time, that's taking hold of promises. Amen. All right. God reaches this world. If you read the whole Bible from Genesis till today, God interacts with this world through the promises he gives his people. And so God calls Abraham. He gives him a promise. He doesn't give him a Bible. He gives a personal promise. And that's how Abraham leaves the land and goes somewhere. And then when Abraham's coming to the end, God's changing. He said, I want to do it again. 
So I'll give the promise to Isaac. And then when Isaac is coming to the end, God says, I want to do it again. I'll give the promise to Jacob. And then when Paul comes on the scene, I'll give the promise to Paul. But you find out Paul's already passing on the promise to Timothy and Titus. And so we find that the story of God never ends. It keeps going from the beginning till the end by giving promises. You know, they talked about a promise for Caleb. And this is what I love. God wants us to reach the world. He gives us promise of the impact we will have. You've got to think, Pune Church, what's your impact? But God doesn't forget the pains of our hearts. And so we'll come and give a promise for a son. He'll give a promise into your finances. But we've got to be people who know the promises. And they devoted themselves to the word which tells us we have promises from God. Can you be devoted to promises? Because that's how God's going to use you. You know, when the promises come to us personally, we know, Lord, I'm not letting go of this promise, Lord. I believe it. And so that's how we move. Amen? Okay. Promises. And when God gives a promise, listen, it has to happen. It has to happen. How many of you have had a promise that's happened? Yes or no? Come on, put your hands up. Be bold about it. Okay. Now, I'm not going to ask you how many of you have got a promise that's not happened. You know, that's me as well. Still, it's not yet happened. It will happen. Okay, but we live. It's still a promise. And every promise is yes. But God needs us to say the amen. The believing amen. Our own faith. Yes or no? So don't be a man without promises. Is that okay? Don't be a woman without promises. They come through prophecy. They come through a desire. Someone did on the first day. I remember Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. You know, when you delight and worship God, certain things form in there. God's giving it to you. That's a promise. All right? And the Great Commission. We never forget. God says, go. I'm with you. Don't forget that promise. Okay. Be devoted to promises. Now, one more thing I want to put in the word. In, in, they devoted themselves to the word. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith comes from hearing the word of God. Yes? Faith. We get faith by hearing the word. So again, I'm going to say, keep reading the Bible because that's where your faith comes from. But I want to talk to you about what type of faith. And we get this example of Jonathan and the armor bearer. We know that story. Right? When Jonathan had one sword and uh, he was going up against a garrison of Philistines with 20 swords and they had one sword, two of them, you know, and he just knows this sense. God's promises over us as Israel. Though Israel is all defeated, there is one man who's thinking something different. Who's thinking according to the word, this promise. And he says, perhaps God is with me. And sometimes in a church, you know, even us as leaders, sometimes I don't know what to do. And I'm happy to say that. I don't have to have all the answers. You know, even this camp that's coming up, we are doing a leaders camp next week. It wasn't my idea. There was another couple, Rohan, Jillian said, Nigel, how about a camp? Uncle, he called me uncle. I said, I hadn't thought about it, but I'm not doing a church camp. But maybe what we can do is a leaders camp. But it originated from them. You know, and we don't, I like that because... Otherwise, I'll be pressurized as a leader that I've got to have all the answers. I don't have to. I've got a body with me. And praise God for Jonathan. Though Saul was discouraged underneath, there was one guy who said, perhaps God's with me. But he believed that promise. And see, he's heard a word. 
He knows the word and faith comes. And what kind of faith? Perhaps God's with me. Amen. And that perhaps God is with me leads him into an adventure. But his life was on the line. The armor bearer's life was, they were one sword against 20. But it was a dangerous adventure. And God wants us in this time, in this, I do believe, he wants his whole church saying, perhaps God's with me. We need to see perhaps faith restored. We need to see adventures restored. Because church is exciting, isn't it? If leaders only say, do this and do that, it's not. When that girl came to me and said, uncle, can I do it? I was so excited. There was energy in me. Someone was saying, perhaps God's with me. It gives me energy. Yes or no? Come on, you pray and say, call it Navas. Perhaps God's with me. Just in case they say, no, go and do it anyway, perhaps. Yes, because God's with you. I don't mind that with me. I told people, do it, man. Because it will extend the church. Yes or no? So do you think you can do it? They devoted themselves. One is inheritance. Two is promises. Three is perhaps faith. Can you do that? Can you look and say, God, I want to have this. Perhaps, and I'll tell you something, God will break in in some of the perhaps you're going to do. Yes. Amen. Amen. Next thing, they devoted themselves to prayer. Okay. We see that. Uh, you know, prayer is the place we possess promises. So when you got the promise, you know you're an heir. You've got a promise. But something is needed to possess it. And that happens in your prayer room. That's the only place it's going to happen. What Des was saying, you worship God. Sometimes it's just worship. And I would encourage you, when we see prayer, I mean worship. You know, that's why Jesus, when he taught the Our Father, the first thing he said, the beginning of any prayer is, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. It's worship. It's not praying for things. You know, prayer is worship. Because in worship, you see God and then your prayers change. Instead of saying, Lord, I'm so desperate, you'll say, God. You'll suddenly become, someone said you're a lion, roar. You know, in prayer, you can roar. Suddenly, you, you see who you are. You see who God is. You see who, are, who you are. And you begin to roar. Your prayers take on a new dimension. Worship. Don't jump into intercession. Don't jump into praying for needs. Worship. Those come in the line. But worship. So, I think it's so important. Prayer is the place you'd get your inheritance. Okay, that's the way God has come. Because that's the place that Jesus said, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And you're praying. You're saying the kingdom has to come. You're not praying and saying, Please, Lord, bring this kingdom in. No, thy kingdom that's in heaven, come. Amen. And you consistently pray that. And you're saying, Come, Lord. Prayer possesses. Both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. There's a call to pray till you possess. You know it's got to happen. And we see that. Elijah, there's no rain in the land for three years. And when he pronounces it, he's saying, at my word, it'll come again. I mean, God, give us that confidence, yeah? Right? And after three years, he starts praying. And when he prays, he goes down on his knees. I don't know how he puts his head between his knees. I don't know. I don't know if you sit down and do that, but I can't stretch like that. But he prays. And this is his prayer. He's not just praying. He's saying, go. He's telling his servant, go and see if there's any clouds in the sky. And that guy goes. Now, how many of us can pray like that and say, you're praying and say, actually telling him, go and see. It's a scary way to pray. But I think God's stirring this up again. Yes, I think we need to say, Lord, help us. I don't have that faith yet. 
But this is the faith he wants us to have. And then the guy comes back and says, there's nothing. You know, and imagine you're sending your, your, one of the guys in your church, go and check. He come back, nothing, Colin. And then Colin says, well, there's two choices. They say, oh, no, just say, Lord. He goes back on his knees. Another time, second time, go and check again. And then he comes back and says, still nothing. <laughs> you know? And it's a scary thing to pray like that. Six times. And this guy doesn't go. But what I love about Elijah, he's not given up. He's not uncertain. He prays the seventh time. So go and check. And he says, there's a small cloud. And he says, send a message to Ahab, run, the rain is coming. Amen. And the rain pours down. And I feel God gives us these examples for us to stir our faith. Okay. That we can pray. Now, a lot of, if I look at, we've planted these churches in UP. It's not like we've prayed with confidence seven times and it happened. No, we just keep praying. We keep going. Things don't happen very often. But finally it does. And it doesn't happen spectacularly like we see in Elijah's time. But it happens. You know, and little by little we possess the land. Little by listen, little we take ground, but keep praying. Amen. So he does that. And then Jesus in the New Testament gives the story of the widow in Luke chapter 18. And here he shows us how when it's impossible to get your prayer answered. Here was a widow. And in that time, widows had no voice. So they were the weakest person in society. And he gives the story of the weakest person in society getting justice from a judge who does not want to give it. And he says, this woman, and he starts by saying, he tells his disciples this parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. Actually, it means this. He told them a parable to, to motivate them that they will see why they should pray and never give up. Okay, it's not that he told them a parable so they should pray. But he, to, when you hear this parable, it'll motivate you to think, wow, I better pray. Things have got to happen. And then this widow comes in. And she goes and knocks on the door and says, give me justice. And he says, no, get out here, some poor widow. And she keeps going, knocking and get out and get out. I think, I don't know whether it was one month or two months, but she never stopped. Finally, it says this guy who doesn't want to give justice. He says, I'm getting worn out by this woman. Let me give it to her. And she gets her justice. And then Jesus says, but God is not like that judge. He wants to give justice. He wants to give it quickly. So pray. Amen. So can we be stirred? I believe we've got, if we're going to possess, it's just that we get prayer that we keep going. We keep going. And God answers our prayers. Amen. So if you're going to possess promise, please have some prayer time. Please have some prayer time. Because here's where relationship with God is established. Okay. And I want to say, it's not just about prayer. Because it's what happens in your prayer time. And what I want to say they devoted themselves to pray. I don't think because they had a duty. You know, I don't like people just having a duty to pray. I finish, I clock my one hour. It doesn't matter if you did one hour. I want to know, did you meet with God? You know, and Psalm 84 says, better is one moment in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. It's a moment. I'll tell you, if you get a moment like that, that's enough. So I don't want one hour. I want the moment. And so in a week, I would like to get three or four moments like that where I've said, God, I met with you. I've seen you. You know, how many of us have said, uh, I mean, some of you have said this, you know, I feel so guilty sometimes. Get your moment with God. Because when you read the word and you worship, 
The moment God will open your eyes and say, what are you, what are you crying over? I'm your father, man. I want to bless you. This is not your position. Amen. But get your moments. And that's what I call encounters. So you're devoted to prayer, but you're devoted to encountering God. The psalmist says, taste and see the Lord is good. He doesn't say, yeah, one hour of prayer. Taste. Taste. How many of you like chocolate? Yeah. I mean, my wife knows my weak point is chocolate. You know, once I was at, once I gave her permission, when we got married, I said to her, you know, if there's a problem, talk to my leader. For those of you who know David. And she took me up on it, man. One day we were there, she's saying, I want to complain about Nigel. Yeah. I don't know if he loves his sons also. I said, oh no, I'm going to really get it this time. This was many years ago. All right. And uh, so what happened? What happened? So she says, I'm, we are gone to sleep. I mean, he should keep their shares, no? But he gets up in the middle of the night and he takes out chocolates and steals. <laughs> That's who I am anyway. Anyway. So, all right, but what I mean is taste. When you taste something like chocolate, you say, wow. But God's word is saying, taste who God is. In times of prayer, you've got to taste. You've got to experience. Otherwise, just duty is nothing, gets you nowhere. Experience and encounters with God is so, so significant. Amen. And this, in the encounter, is where the switch happens. You see, Gideon. Gideon was there. God was saying, go and defeat the Philistines. He says, no way. I'm too scared. And so he was hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat like a scared guy. Until the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, fear not, mighty warrior. Ooh. And that's what I love about God. Here we see ourselves as scared people. And God sees us mighty warriors. He's already declaring in prayer time, in encounter time, this is what God shows you. You're mighty. You're awesome. And here we are saying, Lord, I sinned. I say, lift up your eyes, see who I call you. But that's in the encounter. And Gideon said to God, I'm not going unless this fleece, you wet it and let the ground be dry. And next morning he gets it. It's wet and the ground is dry. And he says, wow, but I'm still not sure. <laughs> Lord, you wet that ground and let this be dry. Next morning he gets up, the ground, which, what did I say? I forgot. Okay, it's wet and dry, whichever you understood. <laughs> <laughs> all right, now he knows God's with him. And he says, okay, come on, all you 30,000, we, we are going to take on these Philistines. God says, hold on a minute. We've got to see who you've got to take. And he gives them a test. 29,700 he sends away. Okay, they're not ready. 300, just 300, you're going to defeat the thousands of Philistines. He does it. Why? He had a moment of encounter with God. Amen. And I want us to say prayer time is about encounters. And so we find Moses at the burning bush. You know, when he, he touches the burning bush, you know the story, I don't have time to waste, but he encounters God. Isaiah, when he sees the vision, and in the vision, he's, he's, seeing, he's seeing this vision of who God is, and it gets him on his knees, and he falls down. But in worship, you actually, he hears God saying, who will go for us? There's nobody. But in worship, he's got this encounter of the magnificence of God. He says, he's got nothing else. He doesn't feel, I have to go. He says, God, here I am. Send me. You see, when we encounter God, God brings change in the world, in our world, through you. So can I ask you, prayer is the place to possess. 
they devoted themselves. I want us to see the early church. Their devotion wasn't just to things. It was to a God. They saw truth. They found truth. And they did it. Okay, let's move on. You know, uh, yeah, I could tell you many stories. I'll just skip it. Let it be. They devoted themselves next to the breaking of bread. Okay, now I want to share something here. The breaking of bread, Jesus instituted that for all the churches to always break bread. Okay? Always break bread. And uh, it reminds us of what Jesus did. It reminds us that we live by his grace. All right? And that is our foundation. And so when we break bread, let's remember this is our platform. This is our firm foundation that we never live on how good we are. You know, here's the problem. When we live sometimes, when we think we've been good and we live on that, we put that as a platform. Then when we are bad, we fall and we feel guilty. So get out of that. That's not the platform to stand on. We stand on the platform of the grace of God. When we are good or when we are bad. All right? We're always. So I begin my prayer time always saying, Lord, I stand this morning on the grace that you have given. I stand on the righteousness of Jesus. I stand on nothing else. Make that your regular prayer because then it begins to get inside you, the grace of God. And one of the things we have to be strong in, you know, if we're devoting ourselves to the breaking of bread, it is to understanding the grace of God upon our lives. Yes, we cannot live apart from the grace of God. Never stand on the good things you've done. Never stand on the fruitful things you've done. Okay? Stand always on what Jesus did. All right? And when you blow it, you'll realize, hey, it doesn't matter. I can still come to Jesus. I don't have to wait one week till that feeling of guilt goes away. No, I come tomorrow and say, Lord, you love me. I've got some sin to confess, but firstly, you love me. That's grace. Okay, so I want to encourage us, stand in grace. Because too much of Christianity and too much of the world, we live like the world. The world wants us to perform all the time, isn't it? And we live as though we've got to perform. Whether it's an office, where no bosses say, well done. You ask anyone, no one says that. Hardly anyone says it. And so we have to learn to live differently from them. That even though they don't say well done, we get the well done from Jesus. And learn to... When we worship him, we actually feel his smile upon us, saying, well done. We must drink of that grace. Amen? Be strong in the grace of God. Is that okay? Yes. And then the second point is they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Is we can build church only if we're strong in grace. Because when we're strong in grace, we be, then we give grace. All right? We give grace. Then we're able to relate and forgive. Someone talked about it. Either yesterday or today. We forgive. Or Des, I think, talked about it. We forgive. If we are hurt, we can forgive. As leaders, we are disrespected. We still forgive and we can still see with faith how this person can come through. Amen. That's grace. When we're strong in grace, we are able to give grace no matter what. I've told, the, I've told our church that this time. I said, parents, I, I want us to understand this year. I've told all the leaders this year, we've got to change our leadership. And it's not me and Donald doing things. I want all of you all to start getting into homes, helping parents how to handle teenagers. They are going to go a bit off. But we have to minister grace. We don't want them to run away. We want them to come to God. 
And we've got to think as leaders, how do we minister and bring the grace of God into people's lives? All right, there's only one thing Galatians 5, 6 says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. No performance has value, all right? Or no non-performance. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You know, if I want the church to do something as a leader, my job is this, to make sure whatever people are doing, it's not out of guilt and shame. It's out of faith, and it's expressed through love. That's the only thing. That's the atmosphere of the church. Amen. Yes? So they caught this. That if you're going to enlarge, if you're going to have this thing, these are things inside of our hearts that have to be shaped and formed. Amen? They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And, and you know, you look at the Old Testament, you find a guy like Elijah. What's he doing? He's just on Mount Carmel, won a fantastic victory. The next moment he's in a cave feeling sorry for himself and saying, let me die. And so you get even leaders, mighty leaders, who go through moments, you're just flesh and blood, who sometimes think, I want to die, Lord. What's the use? And then what, is, what does God do? He comes there and feeds them. God doesn't say, hey, you, you just knocked out 400 prophets of Baal. What's wrong with you? He feeds them. He feeds them. And that's wonderful about God. We see how God treats us, you know. He loves us. He treats us. The woman in adultery, Jesus comes. Everyone else wants her stone. Jesus comes, just loves her. All right, that's our posture in church. You know, one of my church leaders in, in UP in this pandemic time went through a very acute difficulty. And he got into, uh, his, uh, he got into debt. And it's because the government scheme promised him something. He hadn't checked it out with us. He hadn't checked it out. And, and he, he used his premises to house people on behalf of the government. He spent his money. And they said they would give so much per person. And he ended up getting into a, a debt of one lakh. And I was battling. I didn't share with anyone. I was battling myself. Oh, what do I do? In my old leadership style, I would say you have to step down. And I felt God... Over that month before I met him, I felt God finally lead me to the story of Jesus and Peter. When Peter denied Jesus three times. And Jesus came back and said, Peter, feed my sheep. He didn't say, you've denied the Savior. I can't have you as leader. You need another one year to sort yourself out. He said, feed my sheep. He trusted him. And I felt I needed to say to him, listen, God restores you. All right? And, and I found in that period of time... I felt God challenged me to get his one lakh and pay it off. All right? And so we talked to my leaders and we prayed and we sort of somehow believed God and we were able to clear his one lakh debt. And he's still a leader in the church. Amen. 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 Minister grace. Minister grace. And my hope is as we do these things, you see, they will pass that on. We will have a generation of churches that are ministering the grace of Jesus, who are in love with Jesus. Amen. Is that okay? They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Okay. And the last one, they devoted themselves to fellowship. Okay. And this is how you see the place of, how you see the church in God's promises. You know, it has to do with, what is your picture of the church? And here it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship. 
And when I look at the dictionary meaning of the word fellowship, it means friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. There's an association of people who have a common interest. But the Bible word fellowship therefore means it is a sharing within a community by participating and by mutual encouragement towards Jesus and his purposes. So fellowship is not what we sometimes think, okay, we'll fellowship over coffee at the end of the meeting. All right, it's got a, that is part of it, but it's a much richer thing. Jesus and his purposes, we are fellowshipping. We're a community participating in that, all right? And in the promises and the purpose of Jesus. And so we're encouraging one another. That's fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, okay? So therefore, this fellowship, this community, community is the only community that's going to change the world. And that's you. Nobody else. God has no plan B. All right? And that's what I love about Jesus. Even when they seem to be failures, when Peter denied him, Jesus said, go tell my brothers and Peter. Go tell my brothers all who deserted me. He didn't say that. But they had all deserted him. Go tell my brothers and Peter. You know? And he commissions them. Can you imagine? Look at yourself as a church. Look at yourself as individuals and what Jesus really thinks about you. Even in, our, even in our, our sense of our greatest moments of failure, Jesus says, go tell my brothers and sisters and put your name in there. Come on, I'm with you. You're going to change the world. And they did. They did. The next few years, they transformed the world. You, Pune Church, will transform the world. Okay, you are the plan. So many have a wrong picture of church. And our picture of church has got to change. Okay, the church is the only place, is the place we must receive. Right, where can I go and get my prayers answered? Listen, we're not here to receive. You will receive, but we're here to give life. And you are the answer. Every church member coming in must know this. He's a world changer. She is a world changer. That's who you are, right? And Benny brought these prophetic words over some of you. Words of influence, words of impact. Things, some things will begin now, some things are for later, but they are words of impact, saying you are someone of influence, all right? Church is not a place to come and see some specially gifted people. They are not the platform ministries. Jesus never had a platform ministry, all right? Thousands came to him and he said, I've got to move on. You don't find that happening today. You see, everyone wants the attention, but Jesus has not come for that. That's not church, okay? Church is you and me, ordinary Christians. Jesus has great faith for us, okay? And it's not the answer, it's not Israel. The answer is you. You are the, you are the new Israel. Amen? You know... Ephesians 1.18, Paul prays, and I'm closing. Paul prays, I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And it says, the glorious inheritance of the saints. This is how Jesus sees his fellowship. The glorious, his inheritance of the saints, and it's ours as well. You know, I find one moment with God's people can change us. 
Sometimes we can be so discouraged and thinking I'm going through so much and we don't even feel like coming for a meeting and someone says, just go here. And you go there and say, oh, I'm so glad I came. One moment with God's people. That's the glorious inheritance of the saints. You know, don't, don't say I'm busy. Don't say I don't have time. You know, Hebrews 10 says, don't give up meeting together. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. So can I encourage us as I close here? All right. You are sing. In, sing and because God says you are fruitful people. Okay? But be devoted. The word of God. The fellowship. The breaking of bread and prayer. Amen. Wow. Wow, that's been a rich fair this morning. You know? Oh, let's just take it in. Now, we, we, we'll be coming to the breaking of bread now. And we'll just want to... We've heard the word. It has touched our hearts. Okay? And now, we want to just commit ourselves to God with what we've heard. Um... Nigel spoke about inheritance, devotion, you know, prayer, breaking of bread, all, all these things were wonderful. We'll send you the recording. You can listen to it again because you may not be able to get everything in it. But for us to remember that God is building His church. We, you and I have a role to play in this great work. In this great work. Okay? You know, uh, at the beginning of the camp, I was, as we were introducing Nigel and Desiree, and saying, you know, we knew one another in our 20s. Now we are close to 50s, 60s, decades. And one day we will be no more. It's true. All right? And what will remain is what we have done for Jesus. Amen. That's the important thing. Not how many cars I've got, or houses, or money, or any of these things, you know, but what have we done for Jesus? And uh, let, let's take this time this morning to say, Lord, what's my next step with you this morning? What, what, there's so much that has been shared, Desiree and Nigel, and you have, some of you have had personal prophetic words, but we've got to go from this camp knowing that God has spoken to me and I'm taking one, two, three things forward. Okay, and, you know, we've got the, bre the, the bread and the juice at four different corners. Yeah, no, I was going to say something.